is that you are better than good. Oh, glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Hallelujah. Forgive us for our sin of omission and commission. Father, you are our God. We thank you. I am covering myself, the listeners, and our family member with the blood of Jesus, that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. Father, give us our seed, family member, wisdom, and divine favor, as well as direction for each day. Father, in the name of Jesus, continually open doors of favor for this ministry, the overseer and his family members, in the mighty name of Jesus. Prepare our heart, Father, and our mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. Bless your servant for giving us the needed word we need to hear on this morning. Our soul love you and want to please you. Keep us and our seed under the blood of Jesus daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, glory. Thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to your Father. Yes. There are so many people, you know, that are, it, it is like um, Vince said earlier this week, uh, this week is like the hotline of prayer was just like a coming with so many mm-hmm. prayer requests into that mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. And there were so many prayers that were offered this morning as we go into talking about like the praises before we even get to that point. If someone can pray for Miss Anita, she is in Michigan, she's gone to see his his daughter, uh, her daughter, uh, who's pregnant. And as you can tell, there was like a lot of heaviness in uh, Anita's heart um, going to this place. And I'm sure she is right there. And something, um, you know, requires a heavenly uh, intervention in that relationship. If someone can pray for Anita this morning, and the kid, uh, his, uh, her daughter, um, right now. Chelsea is her name. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We adore you. We delight in you. And Father God, we know you love us. You chose us before the foundation of the earth. You chose Anita. You chose Chelsea, Lord God. And you knew these days were going to happen before the foundation of the earth. Lord God, you know the end before we can even think that there's a beginning. Father God, your word tells us in John 14, 14 and John 16, 23, ask anything in the name of Jesus and you will do it for us or give it to us. And so, Father, right now, we come asking you to perfect everything that concerns Anita and Chelsea, Lord God. Yes, Lord. Father God, mend that relationship between mother and daughter. Yes, Father God, bless that baby that's in Chelsea's womb, Father God. Give that baby health and life. And Lord, Father God, let this baby, Father God, be a witness as this baby grows and this baby is born and this baby 
is out in the world, Father God. Let this baby be a witness to you. Let her mother, Chelsea, and Anita, let them boldly let their light shine so that others can know what you can do, Father. There's nothing too hard for you. Father God, you spoke, and this whole universe came into being. And so, Father God, we know, Father God, that you're able, you are our mighty God, our almighty God. And Father God, you love us. You love us. You care for us. And, Father God, things that are allowed in our lives, Father, we are to count them as joy. Even though me, your servant, sometimes ask, Father, this is supposed to be joy. But, Lord, your word says count it all joy. And so we learn to do what your word says. We know your word does not go back to you void, but it does just what it says it will do. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for blessing each of us on this line, Lord, for those who are coming online. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you have brought for Brenda, Lord God, and her family, Lord. Father God, and we ask that you will just continually pour out from the windows of heaven blessings we can't even think about having room to hold for all of us, Lord. Lord, you know what our desires are. You know each of us. You know every strand of hair on our heads, Lord God. You know what our concerns are, Father God. And, Lord, those people who are on our special prayer list that's written down in this Bible, and also, Father God, those special prayers that are on the Proverbs 226 text line. Father, every person, we know you've heard our prayers, Lord God, and and you're answering our prayers, Father. And we are satisfied in whichever way you fix it, because we know if we try to fix it, it's going to be messed up. And I'm a witness to that, Father. Father God, we just thank you. We praise you, Father, for all things, and we give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Any any other praise or a prayer item for this week? I I also want to praise God for John Kathleen's friend. Uh, Another John, his heart procedure went 100% successful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And this is a a prayer request that came in our prayer line for this week. Mm. And how everybody jumps in to just like a pray for whether it is, you know, Miss Brenda or whether it is for John's friend. This whole mm-hmm. week, you know, we got like Anita's prayer. So all of these prayers uh, and praises that Katina posted about her mom. Uh, mm-hmm. Another prayer request for Carmen. Carmen mm-hmm. is a, a, a guy that we actually met in this line a couple of weeks ago. And mm-hmm. his son is about to get convicted in mm-hmm. this month. And for, uh, but then, you know, to add more, you know, um, salt to his injury, um, the the victim's family is suing Carmen additionally beyond, like, what is going on. So this man is just, like, a, you know, hit, hit after hit he's taking. So today morning, we'll just remember him. 
that God will just like a give Carmen a, a, a peace. He's a good, good father, and he's an amazing man of God. And yeah. that, you know, sometimes when, when you're trying to do the right thing, those are the moments that you're going to be hit hard even more, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Good, mo- good morning, Katina. Hey, Katina. Good morning, Katina. Good morning. Good morning. Any praise item for this week? I have a praise report. This is Katina. Um, I just want to report that um, my mom is progressing well um, every day. Um, she's doing something uh, different from the day before. Um, I'll tell you, she was definitely concerned about her hair. about that so she's definitely making progress so just continue to keep her lifted in prayer God is good gonna trust him so she seems to know who who we are um, and she can understand what we're saying it's just um, you know we're God still working on um, you know her her speech but but you know it, every day I go I'm, I'm just so uh, I can rejoice because I can definitely see him, his impact, and see what he's doing. So this can continue to keep her, her family and her listed. Thank you. Amen. 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 Katina, did you find the right bonnet for her? <laughs> I did not. But, you know, I have, I wear, I wear a scarf on my head most times when it's cool out. And I have uh-huh. one in my bag ready for the night uh, temperature drop. And I asked, I pulled it out my bag, and I asked her whether or not she wanted to wear that, and she smiled and said yes. And she's been trying to get that scarf from me for a while, so she finally got it. (laughs) Another praise report. Uh, (laughs) Yes, yes. And and she also looked at my daughter, and she asked my daughter to give her those boots she had on. (laughs) And then then she laughs at herself. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This week, uh, one of the praise items for Proverbs 2 to 6 is that. uh, um, there's more solidified, um, uh, you know, efforts going on to go into leap correction of. Um, it's going to be, you know, the new years before we can get into the uh, facility, but uh, both North and South California, because uh, they are moving from the, the status red to yellow or to green where they don't find any more like a COVID cases inside the prison and that they're allowing others to come in. So, which is all like a good news uh, for us to go and minister. And they've picked up like a four or five women 
as a first prototype because they want to do it a little small scale. And mm-hmm. so um, uh, it, it's going to be good and we're going to let God, you know, get the glory out of all these things. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. All right. We will go to the Lord uh, in prayer and then into the Word. I'm going to mute this line. Okay. Go ahead, Miss Sarah. You can mute your line as well. The conference has been muted. Father God, we come before your throne of grace one more time this morning to just like listen to what you want to say to us this morning, Father God. I just pray, Father, that that even the ones that we have on the line, Father God, and all of us are seeking your face. We're seeking a freshness of your face, Father God. We're seeking for the fresh anointing. We're seeking for the new mercy this morning. We're seeking for the new skin to be put on each and every one of us, Lord. God, I just pray that even as, as we go through this day, Father God, that uh, and this week, Father, let these words that we speak here become alive for us, that they will become like a strength, uh, the source of strength for us, Father God. God, we surrender this morning into your mighty hands. You take the glory, Father, and honor in everything that we do and say. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen, amen. This morning, um, as we are going through the different miracles that um, we have seen so far, um, the, the, the God of this universe is just in the business of restoring people. He's in the business of like a, um, giving each and every one of us uh, a strength in the midst of everything that we could possibly go on, um, he can give us the energy um, as we read through these miracles that we come across. Um, One of the things that uh, amazes me is like as we read uh, many of these miracles that we are running into, um, these are things that we have heard so many times. We've heard the woman getting uh, better from her sickness. We've heard the blind man getting healed. We've heard about the, the, the different miracles of Elijah and Elisha. But every time we read these verses, every time we read these miracles, there is something new that God is telling us. There is something new that God wants to talk to us about. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, um, you can go to First Kings chapter 18. Um, this is uh, one of the miracles. This is also like last week. There is a, a miracle and there is a sandwich of another miracle in the middle, right? So today we're going to read from First Kings chapter 18. Uh, this is one of those chapters that I've really loved and meditated on this before as well. And uh, this is about Elijah and uh, um, and his life story, and if you have Paul, if you just like a read through, even in other places like uh, James uh, chapter 5, um, it is talking about Elijah. It's talking about how Elijah, uh, being a man just like us, 
right? There's nothing that is different about Elijah. But the Bible says he is a man with a nature just like us. Uh, he has the same kind of challenges and trials and tribulations just like us. But there is something slightly different about this man. He prayed earnestly. That's the only qualification that Elijah had that, that just made God trust him so much with a task. He is a prophet at this point in time. And if you want to read about the entire journey of Elijah, you can go to First Kings chapter 16. Um, you can read from actually 17, 17, 1, 18, and 19. You can get like a full breadth of everything that Elijah was involved in. You can see a lot of context there. But today, uh, let's go to First Kings chapter 18, verses 17. It says, then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah. Ahab is a king, um, um, and uh, Elijah goes to talk to him. And Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? This was like a very sarcastic comment that the, the, the king is making about Elijah. And Elijah immediately, I really like how he answers, I have not troubled Israel, but you. And your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the bells. Now, therefore, send, all, uh, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat or eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all of the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now, Elijah said to the prophet of Baal, choose one bull for yourself, and prepare it first. For you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull, which was given them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal, from morning even till noon, saying, O oh, Baal, hear us. 
but there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. So it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and laces until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, the prophesied, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then, with stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two shakes of seed, and he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt offering, and the, on the wood. Then he said, Do it second time. They did it the second time. And he said, Do it third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran all over the, all around the altar and also filled the trench with water. So it came to pass at that time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and it licked the water, that was entrenched. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Lord, the Lord, he is good. The Lord, he is good. And the Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brocation and executed them there. I'm going to pause there. So, when we read the text, it's all about context, context and context, right? This story about um, Ahab, there are like a four characters, at least in this text that we saw. There was this guy named Ahab, who's the king of 
the northern kingdom. So by this time, the Israel has been broken into two pieces. There is a northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right? The southern kingdom is like the also called as the kingdom or Judah's kingdom or the kingdom of Judah. And this is the, the southern kingdom contained Jerusalem, whereas the northern kingdom or the nord, northern province of the kingdom is called the Israel at this point. And it is about like a hundred years from David's time. And Ahab, the king that they're talking about in this verse, is actually a great grandson of David. Right? And uh, so in the last hundred years, a lot of things have happened. After David, Solomon came into play, and Solomon built an amazingly big temple. He built a, such a big altar. He just like a, built a big palace. At one point, he was so lavish, he needed more money to be even more lavish. And so what happened was that he put like a lot of taxes on the people, and then, the, then his Son came into rule, and he extended the taxes even more. And so in the last 100 years after David, the people, the children of Israel, were not having a good time, right? And so the second one we see in that, that we haven't really read in this text, but there is a silent character that is in there who's nothing but the wife of Ahab, the king Ahab. And she was the one who brought those 450 prophets of Baal and about like a 400 prophets of Asherah from her own town. Right? Even today, when we talk about like a Jezebel, um, we, we think of like a, somebody who's just like a really cruel and chill, and even just the, even the mention of the word Jezebel is just like a really rough for the people of Israel at this point in time. And she, uh, if you had studied about Jezebel, she, she is from a nation called Phoenician, Phoenicia, right? She's a princess of the city. In fact, today it is a part of like a Lebanon that's where she is from. She is from an affluent family. Their country was building ships. In fact, the Phoenician ships were so famous that um, before Columbus came to America, there are some Phoenician ships that have already come through the shores of America. Um, that's how famous this, this uh, uh, city or the country that she is a princess of. We'll talk about her in a, in a, in a bit in the days to come. But she is not like a nice person. She is just like as cruel um, can she be. And there are so many of these, uh, you know, prophets at this time have been killed by this evil queen, Jezebel. And she's married to Ahab, and she brought the prophets from her country into Israel. So um, the next person that we see in this is Elijah. And there is also later, we're going to see in this very same chapter, an unnamed servant. So let's talk about Elijah for a moment because it's very critical um, that we need to talk about him. Um, and, and also, what is that they are running into? What, what is this miracle about? What is, what is that God is trying to do? 
for these people. And what happened here is very important for us to know before we can actually get into the miracle itself. So, when we read, the, if we turn your pages to the earlier chapter, chapter 17 um, of the first Kings, the very first verse says that Elijah, that's the first time Elijah was being introduced to the, 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 to the Bible. This is the first time that we even hear about Elijah. Elijah was the Tishbite. That's all we know. It's from, like, you know, it's, it's almost like saying Elijah is from Charleston. Elijah is from Washington, D.C. kind of thing. There's nothing, no reference before that. His mom was this, his dad was that, nothing was there. But here, we're just looking at Elijah, the Tishbite, right? He comes, he's a prophet at this point, he comes to the king, Ahab, and he says, there's not going to be rain in this town. As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, he's just actually telling what God told him to tell. There shall be not a dew nor rain these years except at my word. This is almost like a very, very strong prophecy that he is making right now. Because it is very important for us to know the intensity of the verse 1 of this chapter 17. Why? Because you have to know that the prophet comes to the king and says, it's almost like somebody comes to the president of America uh, on, the, on the first week of like a January of 2020 and say, this country is going to have COVID and COVID is not going to leave until I tell the COVID to leave. It's probably going to take a three, three and a half years. Can you imagine either the king or the, either the president of the United States has to be really worried. Maybe he, he will be if, he, if this message is said today. But before it was even announced, before we even saw the impact of COVID, nobody really thought that COVID will impact this nation as much as it has impacted today, right? So there is a lot of these things that we hear today we did not know in the beginning. That's the kind of like a message that the, the prophet is telling Ahab. So Ahab probably brushed him off, saying, ah, come on, get out of my face. But three years goes by, three and a half years goes by, and there was still no rain in this country, right? Why did God allow bad things? I've heard this question asked so many times. Why did God, who's a good God, allow certain trouble to his people. Why should God allow a, a, a disease like a COVID amongst the people across the world? Is he a cruel God? If he's a God of love, why did he protect? If, if God is such a passionate God, if, it, if he's a compassionate God, why isn't my sickness removed from my body? Well, you know, this is the kind of question we ask all the time to this God. But in this scenario, in this context, it's very clear why God stopped rain from coming in. If we go one chapter before this, 17, to the 16th chapter of 1 Kings, we see 
about this king Ahab. We saw a little bit about him. But the Bible says in verse 30, Ahab did more evil than anyone before. We saw how Solomon and his sons put so much of hardship on the people. Ahab did even beyond that. Right? And he served, the verse 31 says, he served the foreign gods named Baal and worshipped him. There was this, uh, you know, uh, disobedience in worshipping the God of this universe. He, he just like went with his wife and he just like adored the God he was worshipping. And then he built altar for the Baal and temple. So if we see this, this is all the disobedience of the king that just brought this upon the people. And, and that the, the verses that we have seen, even on Friday night, there is a verse in Second Chronicles 7.14. It says, if my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. This is a verse that's been quoted so many times in America. And I said, this is like a verse of assurance, which, is, which this verse is. But more importantly, the, the, the verse that is before this is very important for us to know because there is a reason why this verse is there in the Bible. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Right? But if you go to the verse 11 through 13 of that same chapter, God is actually clearly telling Solomon, Solomon, I know the patterns of the people of Israel. It's almost like a God is telling us today, I know the patterns that you all go through. There are times that you will be good, just like the children of Israel, and then you start to make a mistake when you're comfortable, and that that mistake is so subtle that you continue to make those mistakes. Then you go to a point of no return, then you cry out to God, and you ask for help. And when you ask for help, then I come and then I just like to help you. And then you come out of it. I've seen this pattern again and again and again in the Bible. And so God says to Solomon very clearly on the night, actually it's the 12th verse of Second Chronicle. It says, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. But then he says, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour this land, or send the pestilence among my people, those are three things, very serious warning. God is saying, when you do something wrong, I am going to shut the heavens from sending you the rain. I'm going to actually command the locusts to chew your land, and I'm going to send some pestilence. I'm going to send some plague among the people. If 
any of these three things happen, then God says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, seek my face, pray, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. So here, God is exactly doing the same thing. Because of all the bad decision that Ahab has done, God is upset. God is upset with the way this nation is going. And so that's why God was allowing this particular plague or the, this particular disaster to happen. Can you imagine that we don't have a rain for three and a half years? Even just between now and like a February, March, when we are going through the winter season, when there is no rain, we see how the grass withers, the lawn becomes dry and brown. This is just like a few months of like not having like a full rain. And still, we in America have like so much of water, we can turn on the tap and we get like a water. It wasn't like that in those days. They could not turn on and get the water. But here's what was happening. Because of the people's disobedience, also the people were disobedient, and that's why God was allowing this to happen in the lives of those people. If we can just like a pause for a second, you know, and see, we are right now in the middle of one of those three things that God talked about. He didn't stop the rain, nor he sent the locusts to chew, but he has definitely sent a plague among the people. And if, if God has sent a plague, and God is actually giving us a way out of that plague, if only my people who are called by my name humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. And this morning, you know, this message that I'm talking about, I'm hoping and praying that God will use this message to strengthen your prayer life and that God will use this miracle to strengthen your prayer life. There are so many times we just feel like God is not listening to our prayers. But before God can get involved to fix our problem, God is going to fix our character. It's almost like, you know, God doesn't want to pour a milk on a container that is dirty. God wants to clean the container before he can pour the milk. Because if he pours the, the good milk on a bad container, it's going to get spoiled. So this morning, God is saying to you and me, as we are facing the plague of this nation, God is asking this question, is there anything that you, forget that nation, forget the, 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 the whole world is plagued, but God is first interested in his people, is my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves. If, if my people who are called by my name will seek my face, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, God is saying, if there is anything in your life that is not pleasing in the sight of me, will you get rid of them? 
Will you look deeper into places where you have left some undone businesses? Will you look deeper into your life to see if there is anyone that has anything against you? It's not like what you have against them. It is somebody else has something against you. God is saying this morning, as, as we go through this message, as we go through this miracle, God is saying it's about time we start to reconcile our relationship. It's about time we go back and fix the things that we have left undone. It's about time to ask for forgiveness. It's about time to go do right things before God. Right? He's, he's interested. He's only interested in fixing our character, not our situation. God wants to have an eternal relationship with you and me. And so the number one thing that God is going after in this verse and in this miracle is this, that he is dealing with the problems of Israel. He's dealing with the heart. He's dealing with the things that's not right. The second one that God is actually showing us in this, in this miracle is this. He has actually chosen a man like Elijah who's really bold enough to go before the king and tell the king, king, there is not going to be rain. Then after three and a half years, he has this man come before the king and say, king, there's going to be rain. If we read the entire chapter of 1 Kings chapter 18, the very first verse of this chapter says, God has decided to send rain. He's already done with the punishment. He's ready to send the rain. But then the rain does not come till the 45th verse of this chapter. Between the time God says it's going to rain and the actual rain came, there are things that happened in the middle. God is saying to you and me, I may have given you the promise, but there is a time that you need to go through. There are changes that you need to walk through. There are things that you need to change before you can get the blessing that I've already promised you in the beginning. God is saying that this promise of rain is for sure. This promise of healing is for sure. The promise of the job is for sure. The promise of fixing your business is for sure. The promise of fixing your marriage is for sure. The promise of your children coming back home is for sure. But there is a process. There are changes. There are things that I'm going to let you go through until the point where actual blessing will start to show up in your life. God is saying, be part of the lane that I'm building for you. Be part of the process. Go through the process. Because if we start to short-circuit that process, then we will not actually see the results that, that's lasting forever. Here's what happened for me. I came into this country in 1993, right? And uh, I joined this company called Bank of America. This was a great job. I got a kid coming from India, uh, 23 years old, the first job in Bank of America. And then three months later, the project that I was on got canceled. And so 
immediately I was praying and asking God, God, I want to go to uh, another project that just got opened up in Omaha, Nebraska. I have no idea what I was praying for at that time. And God is so funny. And he said, okay, sure, you want to go to Omaha, Nebraska? Go ahead. If this is what you're praying for, be my guest. So I show up in Omaha, Nebraska in the January of 1994. I've never seen snow in my life, but here I'm introduced to the extreme part of the cold, extreme snow. Some days the, the windshield is like a minus, just like, like a minus 85 degrees. That this wind blows so strong one day morning I was going to work. Uh, it was just uh, through the tunnel in effect of the downtown of Omaha, Nebraska. I just fell down because the roads are slippery and the, the, the wind is just like uh, extremely strong and the weather was just like getting into my bones. And I started to pray, God, I just want this next job that is in San Francisco. I just wanted to go out of the snow. This was like right after I landed in Omaha, Nebraska, just a month or two into Omaha, Nebraska. So God says, okay, you want to go back to San Francisco? No problem. So I'm ending up in San Francisco. And I got this next job. In, and, and when I got into that job, that job was just so horrible. And then I feel like, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? Then I'm praying to God, God. This was the first time I was telling God after like a two or three attempts of like a failed prayers, I was telling God, God, give me a job where I would stay happily and I would also stay for a long period. God, I'm tired of this move from San Francisco to Omaha to San Francisco. I just don't want to have this kind of a lifestyle. I want to have permanence in my life. And that was the first time that I got into a job that lasted for 10 years from that point. What am I saying? There are times when we start to pray to God. We are asking for a quick results. We are asking God to circumvent the situation. Sometimes God will allow those things to happen because we are asking for it. But it is never, it's not, never going to end up in a good place, just like what Abraham did. Abraham was promised a child, but Abraham was short-circuiting that one with, you know, Sarah's maid, Hagar, and they got Ishmael. If we are in a hurry, we will give birth to Ishmael instead of giving birth to Isaac. This morning, God is saying, if I have promised you to restore your family, if I promised you to restore your health, if I promised you to restore your children's life, if I promised you to give you the blessing, stay with me in this course. Don't short-circuit this one. And so here we see the number one quality God picked up on this man named Elijah is because of his uh, strength in prayer. 
That was the only major quality I can see in Elijah because Elijah is like the same nature as us. He's scared. He's getting angry. He's throwing stuff at people. I mean, he does everything. But the only thing that distinguishes Elijah in this story, in this miracle, is because he's a prayer warrior. How many times we've seen in the prayer line, God answers our prayer. It's not like those people that were asking for their prayers haven't prayed, but they know the people on that line that they're asking prayer for are praying for the ones that they have no blood relationship to. They are the ones who are praying for someone even in spite of their own problem. They're praying for my family. They're praying for my friends. They're praying for my relatives. They have no blood relationship to, nor will they ever know who I am, but they're still praying because that's an act of righteousness. God is very pleased with And I've seen in the prayer line how the people with cancer getting cured. I've seen in the line the tumors getting the size of the tumor reduced. I've seen people with the COVID come out of their, their oxygen mask. I've seen in that line how the lives have been turned and restored to its fullness. And that's why God chose Elijah to go and tell the king it's not going to rain. There was a 400 years in the Bible, there was no recording of anything that happened. There was the 400 years between the Old Testament and New Testament, God never spoke a word to anybody. For 400 years, there is a gap. Right? During that 400 years, so many things could have happened, but God was not interested in it. But the last thing that was on God's mind before he went through that 400 years of not speaking, God says, this is the last verse of the Old Testament. It says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers towards their children and the hearts of the children towards their father, lest I will strike this earth with a curse. God is saying, the end. That's how the Old Testament ends. This is the last thing in God's mind. He says that he will turn the hearts of the fathers towards their children and the hearts of the children towards their fathers. If this does not happen, less, I will strike this earth with a curse. For a very long time, I thought this verse is talking about God because I was thinking only God can turn the hearts of the fathers towards the children and the hearts of the children towards their fathers. And the, 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 the effect of not happening is that God says, I will strike this earth with a curse if the father's hearts are not ch- turned towards their children. And so I thought it was only God who was going to do it. But then when I read that New King James Version, he will turn, right? That he, H in that he, is not actually an uppercase H. It's actually a lowercase H. So that means the Bible is not talking about Jesus or God. It's talking about a human. And if we read one verse before that, 
The Bible says, in the last dreadful days, I will send my prophet Elijah, who will turn the hearts of the fathers towards their children and hearts of the children towards the father. God gave such a high reason or high position for Elijah because he knows Elijah is not going to be compromising when he goes into the battle. He knows that Elijah is going to get on his knees when he doesn't see the father's heart turn. And, and Elijah is a man who would even call upon the, the prophets of Baal and bring them to the stage and go after them and do everything he can do possibly. He's not going to leave the hem of my garment. I'm going to choose Elijah for this job. And that's what God's going to do to you and me. He's going to choose you and he's going to choose me if only we are faithful in our prayer life. In the New Testament, we read that before the, the Jesus was crucified, before he went to the cross, he had a personal conversation. He went to the mountain and he talked to two people in that mountain. One was Moses. The second one was Elijah. He called upon two guys who are prayer warriors who wanted to be in the presence of God, and Jesus spoke to both of them. And in fact, the, the book of John says again that Elijah in the last days will come to turn the hearts of the fathers. See, we may not have Prophet Elijah come into this earth right now because he probably has done his job. But the spirit of Elijah, that's what John says, the spirit of Elijah will descend upon his people. This morning, the spirit of Elijah will descend upon you. The, the, the spirit of Elijah will descend upon me. And God is saying, when his spirit falls upon us, then we will turn the hearts of the fathers towards their children and hearts of the children towards their father. And that's the kind of like a tenacity that Elijah has built on his life. And in fact, the Bible says, you know, in Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 17, there's so much written about Elijah. And even in James chapter 5 that we read, James 5:17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So the second thing God is asking today, this morning, as we read through these verses, is this. Are you ready to receive the spirit of Elijah? Are you ready to pray for the ones that you don't have a blood relationship to? Are you ready to give your life for somebody? That's exactly what Elijah was trying to do in this moment in time. He was ready to put his own life, his credibility, his stake upon his God in public. He was bold. He was courageous to tell before the king, it's not going to rain. Why? Because my God told me it's not going to rain. Then he turns around three, years, three and a half years later, it's going to rain. He 
after this verse 1 of chapter 18, it takes so many things to happen before the verse 45 where the, the rain started to show up. Right? But Elijah had the tenacity to believe in the God of the universe. And God is saying, I want you to have that kind of like a faith in your life. Let's break this thing even further. In verse 30 to 37, that's where we see Elijah is building an altar. He's making a room to, you know, to, to, to have his sacrifices made. We've, we've read these verses. They, they, if I just like to summarize it, this is like a battle between two, two gods. There is one real god, and the other one is the god of Baal. Right? So they are both fighting. And Elijah called for a uh, you know battlefield in the Mount Carmel, Carmel, and he said like we're going to cut two two bulls. You guys put your bull on your altar. I'm going to put a bull on my altar. We're just going to clean this place. And in fact, don't put any fire underneath. Go and pray to your God and see if your God's going to send the fire to burn the offering, accept this offering. And he says, I will do the same thing. And then. He just like makes an altar after they have prayed, after they have just done everything they can for nearly the whole day till the evening. They were doing everything possible. They were even cutting their body with knives. They were doing everything possible to call upon their God. They were doing everything possible to leap forward. And they were doing all this thing while the whole day went by. And then at the end of the day, Elijah starts to make a platform. He was trying to make an altar because the altar was broken and it needed to be built. <clears throat> what does it mean to me today and to you today after this many years is this. God is not interested in our yesterday. God is not interested in our day before yesterday or last month or last year. But God is interested in our life today and moving forward. God is not upset. Of course, he's not going to be happy, but he's not upset that you did not have a good, consistent prayer life in the past. But he wants to know, will you actually repair your altar and prepare yourself to get on your knees from today? God is saying, go ahead and build the altar Go ahead and find a place in your house. Go ahead and find a place where you can actually con communicate with me. Before we can even offer sacrifices, God is saying, let's build an altar. This morning, God is reminding you and me to make room, make room in our schedule for prayers. And then the second thing that God is telling in these verses between verse 30 and 37 is that be specific about your motivation in asking for the miracle. Be specific in your ask and be specific in your motivation for your prayers. And the, and the reason why I'm saying this is this. Sometimes we are asking God for things to expand our territory, expand our kingdom, expand what we have. God is not interested 
in expanding just our territory. He wants to know, if I do this blessing to you, how will you bless somebody else? How would you just like a, be a blessing to someone else? Okay, you want a, a new house? No problem. You, you can get to the new house, but will you use that to extend my kingdom? Will you extend, because you're asking for an enlargement of your business, will you bless my people? You're asking for expanding and giving you things that you need on this earth. God is interested in saying, yes, I will do it for you as long as you have a heart, you have abundance in your heart to just like spend that for the gospel, spend that for my people. If you see here the prayer that Elijah is making to God, this is a great prayer, and you probably want to write it down somewhere or take notes from this prayer. It comes in verse 36, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36, 37. Those are two places. In fact, later portion of 36 and 37, where he is praying to the God of this Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And he's saying, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. He's just saying to God, God, I've done everything I can that you asked me to do. This is all you asked me to do. I've always been you know, transparent with you, and I've done everything that I can. Then he says, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. His motive in the Mount of Carmel, the motive of Elijah on the Mount of Carmel is not actually to prove to them that his God is great, but his motivation for doing that is to turn those people back to God. Is any of our ask related to this specific ask? Are we praying for our children to know the Lord? Are we praying for our husband or wife to know the Lord or get them closer to him? Are we praying to God to be the, the God who knows how to turn the hearts of the world towards him. That's what God saw in Elijah, and that's why God is going to use the Elijahs of this time to raise up a godly generation in this nation, godly generation in our own families, godly generation in our cities, godly generation in our nation is going to come because God is ready to put the spirit of Elijah upon his people. Let me quickly go through another thing that Elijah did is so beautiful in this. He's, the Bible says in verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, go up and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. There are two people standing in the Mount Carmel, right? There is this king Ahab and then Elijah. They both are standing next to each other, but the prophet is telling the king, king, Go home, get something to eat, because I hear the abundance of rain. 
I hear there is a rushing of rain coming to the city. They haven't seen rain for three and a half years, but here he's telling the king, go home because rain is about to come because God is going to fulfill what he told Elijah and what he told through Elijah to the king in chapter 17, 1, that through the word come out of Elijah's mouth, God's going to release this promise. Okay? And so here, God is saying to Elijah, tell the king that it's going to rain. The, the, the two people that were standing in that mountain next to each other should have heard the voice of God, but only one guy heard and the other didn't. The reason why the one guy heard is because of his proximity with God. Sometimes when we are in this work, Lord, that we have, we tend to do things in our own strength. And God is saying, during the middle of the day, if you only pause and just listen to my voice, I will actually speak to you. God is saying, just like a what, you know, this prophet was hearing, God is saying to you and me this morning, I am speaking to you, if only quiet, you quiet your ears, quiet your mind, quiet your day, and listen to my voice. I am still speaking to you in a thin voice. And then, the biggest thing, biggest question that we have is that, are we listening to this God? Is the prayer lifestyle allowing us to hear God's word, God's voice, before we make any major decisions in this life? In order for us to quiet ourselves, we need to separate ourselves from the noise. That doesn't mean you're going to go look for a prayer room everywhere you go, but even if you just like close your eyes for a second and ask God, before you make the next decision, God, is this the right thing to do? God will definitely answer you. The very fact that you're asking God, he's already pleased. It doesn't mean that God does not know the decision you're about to make or the, the decision that is at hand, but God is saying, are you honoring me in this decision? That's what God wants to know. The moment you ask God if this is the right direction and whether you make the right or a wrong decision, you've already introduced God into your decision. And God is saying to you and me this morning, you know, bring me into your conversation, bring me into your life because I'm speaking to you. Just like Elijah, we will also hear the abundance of rain. Then the next thing that this man of God is doing is this. He put his head in between his knees and he starts to pray. He put his face between his knees and he starts to pray. Why would Elijah pray if God has already given him the news that it's going to rain? Have you ever thought of like, a, why would God allow this man to pray in that mountain? God is telling you and me this morning that our prayer needs to be aligned 
with his promises. God wants to know how serious we are about the ask that we have. How serious are we to claim his promises? There are ten types of promises God has made in the Bible. Ten things that he has promised. He has promised, God has promised to you and me to strengthen you in the verses that he has already given in the word. I'm going to go and give you a couple of examples of this. I'm going to first give you the 10 different promises God has for your life and my life. God promises to strengthen you. God promises, number two, God promises to give you rest. God, number three, God promises to take care of all your needs. Number four, God promises to answer your prayers. Number five, God promises to work everything out for your good. Number six, God promises to be with you. Number seven, God promises to protect you. Number eight, God promises to bring freedom for you and me from sin. Number nine, God promises Nothing can separate us. Whatever you do, whatever mistake that you do, can never separate us from God. And number 10, God promises an everlasting life. The verses in the Bible, there are 10 different places where these verses are. And I'm going to send this to you when I send the message to you. I will give you each and every one of these promises that's already written in the various parts of the Bible. There are well over 3,000 promises, but these 10 promises, I'm going to send it to you. You should just like pick it up and write it somewhere or store it or print it and keep it somewhere because these promises are very strong and these promises are true and the one who has given these promises are faithful. Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, 14 and 16, he says, Number one promise that God has made is to strengthen you. He says, for this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and the earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is what Paul says and writes to Ephesians. Right? He says, God will strengthen you with power. Matthew chapter 11 says that, that even Jesus says to the people in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will Find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Number three, God says, I will take care of all your needs. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 19, it says, God takes care of me, will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Number four, God answers every one of our prayers. In Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus was speaking on the mountain, the the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, 
you will find. Knock, it will be open to you. God has always said in Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 3, call unto my name and I will answer you. That's the, the cell phone number of God, Jeremiah 33.3. He says, call unto me, I'll answer you. That's a promise. Likewise, God says, you know, in Romans 8.28, he promises to work everything out for your good and my good. It says, you know, all things work together for the good of those who love God and called according to his purpose. And the sixth verse, sixth promise, God promised not to be with you and me. In Judges chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I will not fail you or abandon you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God promises to protect you and me. In Psalm 91, 2, he says, He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him. God says, there is always my protection going before you, just like how I did with the children of Israel. My protection of cloud that was going in the front, the light was going in the front and the back of the children of Israel. He was protecting with his, his Shekinah glory, and he's going to do that for you and me. God promises that nothing can separate you and me, not death nor life, says Romans 8.38. Uh, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rules, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And God promises an everlasting life in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. This morning, God is telling you and me, even when you have the promises in your hand, God is saying, you know, I am going to make sure that those promises become alive in your life and my life. I'm going to wrap up this morning and pick up this chapter next week because there is more content that is there about this rain is about to unveil for you and me. This morning, there's, there's a lot of things that we talked about this prayer. And, I, 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 you know, I'm going to let you soak yourself in these verses. I'm going to send you the, the message version uh, of what we talked about this morning in an email. And if you can just like take some notes from this message, it's going to help you to find room in your life. Find room in your prayer life for God to work his miracle. This morning, I'm just going to ask, you know, Miss Susan to lead us in communion right after this. And then I'll come back and pray. Miss Susan. Yes, sir. The conference has been unmuted. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. 
reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin and rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our heart and life and having accepted your death and penalty for our sinfulness. The pride you paid covered us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life and that was broken for us, we remember you, life that was broken for us. We remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who accept you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life abundant, life now and eternal forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splinted cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, present, past, future. Today, we remembered and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spill. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The Bible says in First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, the night before Jesus was crucified, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Today, as we take this bread, let us remember the sacrifices of God, the sacrifices that he did on that rugged cross. <coughs> go ahead and take the bread. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As you take the cup, remember that everything that we had in the past is already gone. Nothing holds us for, for anything that we have done. You know, up until this point, God says, when you take this drink, this is a new moment, new moment in your life, 
that everything will no longer be remembered. Everything is gone because of the blood has shed on that rugged cross. Let's go ahead and take the king. Father, we come before your throne of grace one more time this morning and ask you, Father, to put your hands upon each and every one of us this morning. Give us the mercy, Father God, for this new week that we are beginning at this point. God, I pray for everyone that is on the line. We pray especially for Miss Brenda this morning, that she, well, Father God, will find her strength, will find her voice back, will find her strength in her legs and hands back. Mm -hmm. Let her feel your presence this morning as we lift her up before you, Father God. As we pray for God, we lift up Anita and all those prayers that we have heard throughout this week. Father God, any unanswered prayer that is still lingering on that line, Father, we lift them all up into your mighty hands. God, you take the glory and honor. Father God, help us to find room in our schedule. Father God, help us to find room in our schedule to be consistent prayer life and consistent journey with you, Father God, from here moving forward. God, we surrender ourselves into your mighty hands. We take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. 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 Hope you all have an amazing week. We will see each other next Sunday morning. Until then, May the good Lord be with you. Have an amazing Amen. week. Okay? Amen. 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 Have a wonderful Thank week. You, Thank, Thank, you. Morning. Thank you. Thank you. Have a Thank great you. morning. Hallelujah. Have a great one, everybody. Have Bye-bye. a wonderful week, everybody. Bless you Sunday. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Bye-bye. Praise the Lord.